We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is January 9th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's up, bro? Man, I, I'm i great. We had a great night last night or two nights ago as you guys are listening to this. Just a lot of fun. A lot of people showed out, Jonathan, and the Magic got a win. So I, all in all, I can't complain about how that night went. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Luke, uh, this is a big episode. This is a, this is a big deal. Mm. Uh, Vooch. Nikola Vucevic. I'm super excited for this, bro. I'm low-key a little bit nervous to talk to the big fella. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think this is, you know, this is going to be cathartic in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's going to be therapeutic for Magic fans, I think. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I mean, I, it's always different and special when one person carries a lot of memories for, like, for yourself. And Vooch does that. And, and, you know, obviously you'll hear it as we talk with him. And just kind of what we expound upon, what we ask him about, and just how he talks about Orlando, I'm sure will be in good light. Uh, and it's just nice, right? Like you have a player that you mutually enjoyed each other's time. And Vooch brought a lot of light to the organization when it was really dark. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that we that we get a chance to really sit down with Vooch and really lay out stuff that he hasn't talked with, to our knowledge, anyone as far as like Orlando media about his time in Orlando and it's been a few years now this is one of those moments where it's like all right we've I've got to kind of pinch myself like all right is this actually happening right now Mm -hmm. because I never would have thought starting a pod a few years ago that something like this would be possible so think that you guys are really going to enjoy that we're really excited for it so make sure that you guys stay tuned in to uh, hear that a little bit later in the episode but Luke, I got to be honest, bro. I am dragging from that watch party mm-hmm. last night. So obviously, like everybody knows, like you drive there, I drive there from hours away or whatever. The eight thirty tip, man. Th- these West Coast trips every year, they just hit a little bit different. I don't know if you can see the bags underneath my eyes right now. Was bagging, getting home, getting to bed about two a.m., getting up at eight for church. I used to be a pro at the six hours of sleep thing. I, I just really can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But 
watch party last night was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, like I said, man, so many people came out for it. Uh, the porch turned out to be a fun spot. It's very open, so there was a lot of room to linger. I spent quite a bit of time standing. I know that you know you obviously were you know talking with a lot of people. Um, I was talking with with some people as well, just to get to meet listeners too is the coolest part to me. Um, and it's it's funny, Jonathan. We meet people that you kind of forget about some of the things that we've done. One of the things that we have done, Jonathan, uh, is the Dinwiddie cup. And we had someone come up to us last night. His name is escaping me right now. So I apologize, but he's a real one because he came up to us. And the, one of the first things he says is he was like, I was listening when you guys did the Dinwiddie cup. And that was 2020 for those of you that weren't listening. Then I know we've got a lot of listeners since 2020 COVID no sports happening. Spencer Dinwiddie rolled out like a format for the playoffs of like, uh, you know, a scenario of like what the, they could do as a solution. So we simulated all through 2K. We sat there. If you know, you know about the Dinwiddie Cup. This kid. It sucked. It sucked. Let's be real. I don't know. It was trash. I don't know that I would have sat through listening to that every week, but this kid did. Nope. So shout out to that kid. I'm glad that those days are behind us and, uh, and you know, that, that we've we're behind. We put those days way, way behind. Luke, I, I went back the other day. I forget why. Mm-hmm. I went back through our YouTube channel and was like, bless you. Like, rewatch like some of our earlier mm-hmm. episodes from like 2020. We've come a long way. Yeah. We've we've come a long way. We both sound much older now wow. for whatever reason. Maybe well, it's just it's, the magic of beating us down. Maybe, but but probably my mic is just better than it was now. I don't think that's it, man. If you go you back, more pep like, in our my voices step? are. I was you were a, a young, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed, think, and now you're like just jaded, yeah. beat-down podcast. I think I was 23 or 24. I think it was 23, maybe. I was still in the prime of my 20s, and now I'm coming up on 30. Crazy. If you have time, Luke, I would suggest you go back and just watch those. Like, if you want to cringe or like just For laugh sure. a little bit, mm. listeners, don't go back and watch <laughs> that stuff. I don't think it's really worth it. Quality is much, much better now. I would say, yeah. But yeah, shout out to everybody that came out to the watch party. Shout out to the porch. Everybody there was awesome getting to to meet so many of you. I freaked out. This kid comes up. He's like, yo, I've been listening since the Dinwiddie Cup. I was like, the fact that you actually listen to the Dinwiddie Cup yeah. is fantastic mm-hmm. in itself. And that was just like, I don't know that we could have a more obscure reference for somebody to like say upon meeting <laughs> us. And getting you know the opportunity to meet everybody else at, at the watch party last night. Shout out to our boy Philip Rossman Reich yeah. that came out and like chilled like the whole time. Uh, it was great seeing him, the Pod Father. Everybody gets super excited, you know, whenever whenever Phil comes through. Um, I know Adam Papa Giorgio from the the Penny and Pops podcast came out, so appreciate that. Uh, just everybody that came out, it was a, it was a great time. Uh, we're waiting to hear word on you know if if the Magic want to do more of these watch parties throughout the year. The first four have all been awesome, like smash turnouts. So we're hoping that they do. Even if they don't, we are going to like we'll figure it out some way or another. Yeah. So just keep your eyes open, ears open, all that kind of stuff. We'll uh, you know continue to do those through you know the rest of the year. Always a fun time. So appreciate everybody that came out. They're always fun. But yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I am knackered today didn't get a good nap in did you just say knackered? never a good combination i'm knackered i don't know what, it's, uh, what that is my stepmother is scottish mm. i think it's a scottish thing uh, 
Whenever she's tired, she says she's knackered. Interesting. Knackered. She's knackered. I don't know. Maybe our, uh, you know, Penny for your thoughts or Orlando Magic UK buddies will know what I'm, you know, picking up what I'm putting down when I yeah. say. Knackered. Hey, in that but case, I am. You're I am also throw that in your vocabulary. Absolutely knackered. You took a two-hour nap today. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you kidding me? I require a lot of sleep. Yeah. All right, <laughs> folks. Don't forget about NBA All-Star voting. Paolo Bancaro, top eight. And Eastern Conference front court voting, folks, you guys are killing it voting for Paolo Vancaro and, and Franz Wagner. Coming up on the 13th, the 16th, and the 20th, those are the remaining three-for-one voting days. So make sure that you guys are voting every single day, vote.nba.com or in the NBA app, but especially the 13th, the 16th, and the 20th. Spread the word, tap in, vote for your guys, your favorite Magic players, all that kind of good stuff. I would, I know it's a long shot, but I would be just over the moon to have a rookie all-star in Paolo Bancaro. And he's off to a really hot start to start the year as he's kind of busting out of this slump. Mm-hmm. And I hope that he gets the, uh, the appropriate recognition he, for that. Luke. We'll talk about this, right? When we go over these games, Jonathan, but Paolo's averaging in the month of January, 27 and a half points, eight rebounds, five assists. And that's his three games in January. Mark Spears had tweeted out and pointed everybody's attention to the fact that Paolo has 25, eight 25 point games during his rookie season after he scored 25 at Golden State. All other rookies have combined for eight. So, rookie of the year, incredible, all star him, all the things. Kid deserves it. So, yeah, go go vote for your boy Paolo Bancaro if you haven't done so. And he doesn't have a bad running mate in Franz Wagner, both now averaging 20 points a game. Man, it's been a long time since we've had something like that. I was talking with Philip Rossman Reich last night mm-hmm. at the watch party, and he reminded me that the last time the Magic had a non-center 20 points per game score, it was Steve Francis. Yeah, and, yeah. I remember talking about that. So it's like 17, 18 years mm-hmm. without a non-center scoring 20 points per game, and it's going to be two of them, a rookie and a second-year player. And he also told me, do you know the last time the Magic had two 20 points per game scores? That's a long time. Just guess. Guess who, who they were. Well, I'll say Shaq and Penny. Shaq and freaking Penny. Yeah, checks out. It does check out, I will say. Coming up on 30 years since we've had both of those guys. Yeah. So probably closer to 25 years, but still, that's a long freaking time. And... Like Shaq and Penny, you know, incredible from day one. And it looks like, you know, Franz and Paolo, maybe same stratosphere. Too early to say. Who knows? Man. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty good. Man. Luke, this is usually where we would get into State of the Magic and then go into the game recaps. But this is a special occasion. I think we want to get right into the reason that folks are tuning into this episode. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Nikola Vucevic. All right, Orlando Magic fans, this is a segment, uh, an interview, a conversation that we are incredibly excited about. This man needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway, a proper introduction. Uh, This man, all-time Orlando Magic rankings, he's eighth in assists, sixth in steals, fourth in games played and minutes, third in blocks, third in points, second in rebounds, first in made field goals. He is without a doubt unequivocally a top five Magic player of all time. He wore number nine for the Orlando Magic for nine seasons 
from 2012 to 2021. From USC and Montenegro, Nikola Vucevic. Vuce, how are you, bro? Thanks for joining the show. I'm good, man. Thank you. That was quite a nice introduction you had for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, had, I've had uh, you know so, some time since you've left Orlando. We've, we've really hoped and dreamt that one day we could have a, a conversation uh, with you like this. So uh, I've had it ready. Um, but first of all, how's, uh, how's Chicago? How's Chicago treating you? Are they being, uh, are they treating our boy well up there? No, they are. It's been, it's been good for me, uh, for sure. In Chicago, obviously, uh, uh, a little colder than Orlando. Um, I will say that I, I took the sun for granted when I was losing in Florida. <laughs> no, but it's been good. It's been good. Obviously, you know, playing, uh, in, in Chicago, different situation for me. Uh, you know, obviously huge, uh, huge city, huge franchise, huge fan base, the history behind it. You can really feel all of it, but no, the organization's been great to me. The te- my teammates, everything, the the fans, uh, they're really into the you know the Bulls, and uh, you could really feel. I think especially last year for us, you know, kind of getting the Bulls back into the playoffs, having a good year after a while, you could feel the energy. But it's it's been good uh, for sure. Uh, you know, obviously it took some time to adjust. Big big adjustment for me after nine years in Orlando uh, to to go to a different you know, city, different team. Uh, playing a different role, but, you know, as time has been going on, it's been uh, better and better. What what would you say, Vooch, is the biggest difference between Orlando and Chicago as far as market? Obviously, like you said, the Bulls have so much history yeah. um, and just what they have been able to do in, you know, their time of existence. Yeah, what would you say is the, the difference between playing big market and in a market like Orlando? Well, when you're in a big market, you know, you're always, you know, people look at everything else under the radar. You know, the... Obviously, Chicago, one of the biggest franchises in the NBA. Everybody knows it because of Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls. Um, but it's just, you know, much more media coverage. You know, you're much more national TV. Um, you know, you have, I mean, Chicago has one of the biggest fan bases, you know, the biggest in America. I think there was some survey this year that showed. And wherever we go, you know, we have fans. You know, some, some of our road games feel like we're playing at home. Uh, but it's just, you know, every you're just so much more out there than when you're on a smaller market. And I think also, you know, expectations are different for Chicago fans because of the history, because of the six titles, because of all the you know, players that play there. It's a different, you know, uh, different fan base than, you know, it, it was in Orlando. You know, and Orlando is much more, if I can, if maybe family oriented is the word, you know, where, you know, fans go to the game, but it's, you know, they go, you know, they love the magic. They're there to support, but it's not as, you know, they're not as hard demanding as in big markets, you know. Uh, so it's just, you can tell the difference when you play, but just, you know, it's the same. I think if you play for the Knicks or the Lakers or Boston or any of those big teams, it's just different expectation thing at all times, regardless of if your team, the realistic chains are to play well or not, whatever it is, you play for a big market, they expect you to you know, play well to win. That's just how it is. And uh, it comes with the territory. So, just different, uh, but you know it's fun because you know especially you play for the Bulls, you know so much following. Uh, mm-hmm. You play, you know, on the road, you have fans. You know, people are really big Bulls fans, so you can really feel that a little bit. But uh, you know, I think each has its you know good and bad. So another big market, you know, big sports town that you played for your rookie year, Philadelphia. I want to take yeah. you back to 2012. What were your thoughts, you know, being included in the Dwight Howard deal and being being traded to Orlando? What were your initial thoughts when you got news that you were being traded to the Magic? Actually, I, I was uh, happy because I knew I was going in a very good situation for me. 
you know, in Philly, my situation was unclear after my rookie year. Uh, from the conversation I was having with the front office, it was kind of, I wasn't sure how many, how much I was going to play, the minutes I was going to get and all that. Uh, and to, when I was looking at what the trade that was happening with Orlando, I looked at it as a great opportunity for me uh, to go there and have time to develop and, you know, work on my game and you know, improve as a player. And I, I liked Orlando a lot, a lot in the years before. Obviously, they had such a good team and I really enjoyed watching them. Uh, obviously, I knew it was going to be different, but, you know, you kind of, feel like you're going to be part of it, even though some players stayed, but, you know, new coaching staff, new uh, front office and everything. But it's, that kind of stuck for, I think, another year or two after I came. And then uh, I was really excited about it. And it was, uh, I mean, from the beginning, it was great for me. I think the fans accepted me really well. I really fit into the city well, the team, everything. Uh, it was a really, from the beginning, for me, it was great. I played well from the beginning. And each year I was able to take a you know, step forward and, you know, end up being nine great years for me. But yeah, from the beginning, I just had a very good feeling about getting traded there. I was really excited about it and it all will carry well. Well, like you said, just Orlando was the perfect opportunity for you, right? You go from playing 15 minutes a game in Philly to 33 or 32, whatever it was, exponentially increasing, you know, your chances of just being able to show out and and obviously make, uh, solidify, you know, making a living, you know, playing basketball and incredible. Obviously, we are appreciative of those years. But I guess my question is, when you go to Orlando, you said it's a great situation, but did you have an expectation or when you get traded somewhere, do you think in timelines of like, I, I would like to be here for X amount of years or is there any type of expectation there as far as how long you're there? I mean, none necessarily. I mean, you always kind of hope you're going to be with that one team for you know forever or for a long time. Maybe before in the NBA, that was realistic. Nowadays, you know, it's, it's, it's I think it's getting harder and harder to, to do that. Uh, but I think that, you know, when I first got there, I, that wasn't on my mind at all. It was just more, hey, let's, you know, go there. If I get an opportunity, make sure I take advantage of it, do the best that I can, establish myself as a, you know, as a good player and then, you know, see where that goes. Because you don't, re- I mean, it wasn't like I was this, you know, crazy, talented, top five, ten pick that everybody had huge expectations from. And I kind of, I, I was, you know, I was a very talented player, good player, but you you couldn't really know how, how high my ceiling was. So, for me, that was my first goal, kind of establish myself as a player, you know, um, take advantage of the opportunity and continue to grow, you know, you know, daily, year by year, and then see where that goes. And obviously, you know, it started well for me and I played you know, well every year and better and better. And so after, you know, I'd say, you know, three or four years in Orlando, after I signed my first big deal with the Magic, at that time, yeah, I was thinking in my mind, this would be a great place if things work out, if I could stay for a very long time and um, be part of, you know, magic history for a long time. And hopefully, you know, because we were going through a rebuild. So in my mind, I was like, okay, turn this thing around and get us back to the playoffs and, you know, bring the magic back to be, you know, what they were before the trade. So that was kind of my, my mindset. So that's actually where I want to head next, Vooch. So, you talked about obviously much more opportunity for you in Orlando as opposed to Philadelphia, and you were improving year over year. But the thing, you know, during those those teams were you were kind of still lacking the team success, and that's why you know to to me and I know to a lot of the listeners and I know to to Luke and, and Kevin here, that's what made that 2018 2019 season so much fun and so special. What was it like for you, you know, struggling, you know, in terms of team success the first six years 
2019, you become an all-star, making the playoffs, winning game one in Toronto, being able to host a playoff game in Orlando. What was that year like for you? It was so much fun. I mean, it was, you know, probably I'll say the best year for sure that we had. Uh, you know, for me personally, as a team, you know, to get, finally get to the, to the playoffs, uh, you know, at first when, when I got there, you know, it was like, okay, you know, we'll need, you know, a few years to kind of, you know, the young guys to develop, to, to build a team, to see who can be the guys we can, you know, build around this and that. So you're kind of, you know, you're not okay with it losing, but you understand it's kind of part of the process. So you, you live with it. But then after, you know, two, three years, you're like, okay, it's time to take, you know, the next step. And we, we try to do that and it wasn't really working. And then so it kind of, you know, you don't, even though, you know, you're playing well, you're trying and all that, like you start to, you know, not necessarily question yourself, but it's kind of like, why are we getting there? You know, it's like, I want to be there. I want to be in the playoffs. Like I want to play those games. I want to fight for something. I don't want to just play to play. So to, to finally get there, you know, to even just to have a chance to fight for it, you know, it was so huge for us. And I, I always remember that game in Boston when we won and we made it. It was such a, you know, huge moment for all of us. You know, we were all so excited. We are all so happy. Uh, it was kind of also unexpected. And I mean, you know, we believed we could do it, but nobody else really believed we could do it. it I mean, it was pretty much the same team. Obviously, with Cliff coming, a lot of it changed so much. Uh, for us, and we really got rolling, especially second part of the season. We think we finished twenty two and nine to end the season. Um, it was just a, such a huge moment that night. I always remember, you know, in the locker room, how happy we were after that. We went to dinner as a team. You know, we're just a huge thing, and um, just a huge. I mean, for for us, all of us that have been through, you know, like Evan, Aaron, myself. You know, DJ was part of there for a couple of years. Terrence. Uh, I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody, but you know, we went through kind of the losing for a while. And so for us to get there, it was huge. I mean, we were so happy about it. And you could feel the excitement around the city and people really into it. And uh, so that was, I mean, for sure, one of the best moments. And it was something I always remember. And obviously it sucks that the year after where we were also on our way to make the playoffs, COVID happened, so we couldn't do it at home. But, you know, to make the playoffs two years in a row was, it was huge for us. I know we didn't have much success in the playoffs and it wasn't realistic with the team we had. But just to get there, play for something and for us it was all a huge achievement i tell you what after game one 2019 i felt i was like we're winning the title baby <laughs> we're, we're here we're winning it now obviously that didn't happen but yeah. game one just incredible yeah i, I, I mean want it's to... little things but you, i mean even that one game you win you know you uh you always remember that it's something you go through with your teammates uh something that you always remember uh, regardless so vooch the one thing that i always will remember is you know you talk about that night where you clinch in boston um the one thing that i'll always remember is the post game with dante marcatelli where he asked you guys do you have any idea how lit the city of orlando will be that their playoffs are coming to orlando and the quote from evan fournier is something i always remember which was i guess we'll see man i guess we'll see and he's just smiling from ear to ear and he daps you up um i guess evan was a huge part of kind of your time in Orlando, obviously, he comes in a, a few seasons after you get there. But can you kind of talk about just the relationship that you and Evan had on the court and off the court that that kind of built up to that moment where you clinch in Boston and just the joy that like you guys finally get to experience together? Yeah, so obviously everybody knows, you know, how, how close Evan and I 
have become as friends and uh, we still are. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, it was special for us because I think it's, it's rare that you're able to build such a close friendship with someone. Um, I think in, uh, I mean, in, at your job in general, but especially in professional sports, because there's so much change, so much turnaround. And it's hard that you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're close with all your teammates, you know, you, you, you build friendships, but you know, to really build a close, close friendship, you know, and become almost like best friends like we are, uh, it's rare. And so, you know, we were really lucky to have that and, uh, and that we, that we were able to play for so long and, you know, to go back to what I said, you know, we went through so much of the losing and the tough times and, you know, the not fun of it to, to finally get there and do it. You know, it was uh, was huge. It was such a huge accomplishment for us. I think in that moment, right after the game, like it was just so much excitement. Like you just, it it, it doesn't hit you as the right away, um, like that. But it was just, uh, you know, we talk about it. And it was it was those time, those last two three years were really fun for us to compete and play. And you know, we were playing for something. We we're getting somewhere, and so it was very exciting. But yeah, I mean, to go through all that and finally achieve your goal. You know, and to do it with someone you know you, you're you know close friends with, and that you build you know, a great relationship off the court as well on the court. You know, we were a big part of that team. It was something that you know meant to us a whole lot. So, Vooch, you talked about the fact that you know 19, and then in 20, the COVID year, you guys make the playoffs two straight years. You guys get off to a really hot start in 2021, and then Markel Fultz goes down with the ACL. And then it just seemed like if it was it was one injury after the other. I think Evan had some stuff going on with his back, and then Aaron Gordon you know rolls his ankle, and then it, it just seemed like the the wheels of that team started to fall off. And then we we kind of had a feeling fans did at least going into the trade deadline. You know, you guys. I think the last game before the deadline was against Phoenix, and Evan you know had a had a big shot late in that game to help you guys win, and you could tell that in the post game. I think it was Josh Robbins was talking to Evan about. If this is the end, what has your time in Orlando meant? So we we had the feeling that Evan was probably on his way out. He was on an expiring contract. Aaron Gordon, a couple of weeks before, had requested a trade, understandably so. Um, but when I tell you, when we got that notification, the Woj bomb of all Woj bombs for Magic fans, that you and Al Farouk Aminu were being traded to Chicago, I, I, I to this point, I, I still almost can't believe it. Um I wanted to ask you, because we've heard kind of mixed things over the last couple of years. What what do you remember those conversations with management leading up to the trade deadline? Were they communicating with you like this is what we're trying to do? Where would you like to go? What were conversations like that uh, with the front office? Yeah, I can't go too much into detail about all that, obviously, but it was more, you know, I think it was just, you know, kind of mutual because we just all felt like that team was kind of coming to you know it kind of achieved its max and it was you know if there was an opportunity for you know for change you know that was something that you know was worth looking at exploring and so I think it was just you know maybe the good the, the good time to do it maybe it was also you know if it didn't happen then it probably would have happened at some point later just because I think it was just time for you know that change that team never no, maybe didn't have the chance to really play at its maximum potential, you know, for you no know, injuries, different, you know, I, J.I. didn't play for a while, you know, Markellen gets hurt. So you're, you're thinking, though, know, you have, you don't have those guys for another year after that season two. Uh, you know, Evan was expiring contract, AG, I think it was two or something. So, you know, there was just a lot of things that were happening that you could kind of tell it wasn't, it was maybe time for that change. And so, 
you know, the, 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 the deal happened. Uh, obviously, everybody was shocked that I was the first that, that, that to, to go from that team. But it was just, uh, you know, it was just the right timing for all parties. And I think it worked out for everybody, you know. And uh, I mean, it was very hard for me, obviously, when it happened, when I got the call. But um, I mean, to this day, when I think about it, it's, it's still hard for me to because to, I had such a huge attachment for to Orlando and the Magic. But, you know, I think it was just a, just a time for me to try to take a new step in my career and try to, you know, for, go for something else. And I think for the team to start a rebuild and, you know, uh, try a different direction. Yeah, I you talk about, you know, Vooch, you talked about the city of Orlando being kind of a family friendly place. Um, and And there's kind of to backtrack as far as you talk about, you know, it's you know, Jonathan says it's hard to believe and and that all that transpired and that, you know, Woj tweets that and we we couldn't believe it. I remember I was pulling into a chiropractor appointment, Vooch. So I remember where I was when we got the news. So that's how big of a deal you are to us and to this franchise that I remember something like that. I'm pulling in. I look at my phone because I obviously know that stuff's going to happen that day. Last thing I thought was going to be on my phone. But all that to say, man, J.J. Redick uh, put things in perspective for me when he was talking about uh, at one point him getting traded from Orlando. And he says, you know, you you still have those moments where like people don't understand that you're still a human. You you have a family and, you know, you're moving them and you're not able to kind of stay put. And people just think of it very transactionally. Um, and so that's something that I, ever since then, when a player gets traded, that's what I think about. I think about, you know, the, this player is going to be leaving. They're going to be, you know, raising a family somewhere else. Um, I guess as far as like becoming a dad and, and the things that like you have done, um, so far in your MBA career, you know, you might've thought like, I, I've done everything and then you become a dad. Can you kind of real quick talk about, the, the balance between being a, a great dad, but also working and being productive and what you do? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously becoming a dad totally changed um, my life. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, people, I mean, people always told me that like, when you see when, once your son is born, you're like, and I'm like, okay, like, sure. But I, you know, you don't realize it. And they like, it, he, he, you know, he's born and you're holding him and you're like, okay, like, no, like, <laughs> This is like, it's like, I, I'm not as, I mean, I'm important, but like, it's all about, you know, your kid, but it's, I think for me, what happened, I think is, I just felt like even a more sense of responsibility once, you know, my, my first uh, son was born. I have a second one. I actually have a third one on the way. Another boy. Congrats. Uh, are are we breaking yeah. news right now? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's out there, but I mean, not everybody knows it, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess in some way, uh, but, uh, but it, what's it called? Um, even though, like, he, well, he was—he was just a baby, and you know that he doesn't. I mean, at, at that time when he was—he was just born. He was—it was a uh, that year, the eighteen nineteen, when we first made the playoffs. You know, you don't—you—you felt—I felt different sense of responsibility to where you know one day when he gets to a certain age and he starts understanding, you know, what it, you know, uh, who I was, what I did, you know, that I, he can—I can go back and talk to him about it and be like, hey, listen, this is what I did to be the player that I was this is what it took all the sacrifice all the you know the hours that I put in everything that you go through and that's kind of what was my it's been my mindset since then that I'm also you know obviously I'm their father but I'm also a role model and you know I imagine probably at some they're probably going to want to try this 
you know, basketball route, I imagine. I mean, they're obviously very tall already, both of them, and all they do all day, every day is just play basketball. Uh, so, you know, it'll be huge for me to be able to, you know, talk to them about it and tell them what it takes and tell them my story. And so that's where that sense of responsibility comes, where I have to, you know, for me to be able to tell them what I got to do, I have to do it myself. And so that's really what happened with me when I got, but obviously now it's different also because you're trying to balance both, you know, you want to make sure you put in the work that you need to, to be the player that you are, but you also want to make sure you're home enough for your family, you know, for your wife. Cause it's not also not easy on my wife to have to, you know, she's alone so much with them throughout the year where we travel, we're gone for, you know, weeks of time or, you know, even on, even when I'm home, but I'm sometimes I'm not really like I'm home. If I have a game, morning, shoot around, afternoon game, rest in between, study, do all that. So there's, you know, it, it's not always easy to balance, but, um, you know, you try to do the best you can. And I think now as they're getting older, for me, it's getting easier because they, you know, they, they love the game so much. And my older, he's only four, but he's asking me all these questions about teams, players, this and that. And then, um, so like now I get to take them to the gym with me if I go and like, if it's not a team practice, if it's just me going to get shots up or lift or something, they'll go with me and they love it. They love going to the practice facility and they'll just run around while I do my work. So those moments are also special. So but I think like it's for every work, you know, people work, you know, they work regular jobs at the five, you know, they also, you know, don't see their kids half a day. And so you got to find the right balance. That's where a lot of responsibility comes. And I think that, you know, as kids get older, uh, they'll understand why you do it, why you did it. And they understand that they'll have to do it too when, you know, when they get to a certain age and then they, when they become, so it's just part of that cycle, you know, just like my dad, he played. So I saw a lot of the stuff from him and he was able to do a great job of being there for us and also being a professional. So now, you know, I can do the same and be a, you know, a good example for them growing up as well. So, just try to find the right balance. It's not always easy, but, you know, you, you do the best you can and, you know, you hope it all works out. Luch, going back to your, your first press conference with the Chicago Bulls, you know, after the trade, you know, Josh Robbins, you know, jumps on, you know, that, that Zoom call and uh, you got, you know, pretty emotional, you know, being asked about, you know, leaving Orlando. Um, it, it, for us, if you getting traded wasn't bad enough, to see that reaction from you was like the ultimate gut punch for us. We're like this guy, you know, in, in some sense still wanted to be here. Um, but did you around that time get, get a, a sense just for like the outpouring of love for magic fans and like just the esteem that we hold you in and, and how much you were appreciated in your time here. Did you get a sense of that? And if you did, uh, what can you just talk about what that might've meant to you? Yeah. So I think when, um, when Josh, you know, when I saw him pop up on the big screen and start asking me a question at that moment already, I think that's the moment when it finally kind of hit me, hit me because it all happened so fast. I get the call and trade it like three hours later, I'm on a plane flying to Chicago. I get to Chicago. I have to do all these tests. I have to do all this interview. I have to do all this uh, stuff. Uh, like, like my mind is all over the place. I don't even have time to kind of realize what's going on. Like it was even like even though I knew like there was a you know chance it happens like you're just not you're not ready for it like I was not like you you can't like you just until it happens you it was my first time that it happens especially in season it's like in Philly it was different I was just there for like six seven months it was a lockout year it was in the summer 
like Orlando was a whole different story because it was such a big part of my life and of who I was as a player, as a human, everything. So you, you can't prepare yourself for that. So I think when Josh, it just all started hitting me. And then he asked like that question. And then I started talking and obviously all the memories came back, all the people, all of my teammates, everything, my whole life there, my time there, it just all came back at once. And I just, I, I mean, I tried so hard to hold it. It was no chance. So I just kind of, uh, you know, let it go. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I had received like, I mean, I had people send emails to my agency and then like, look at my Twitter, you have an email who you, if you want to contact me. And then they were forwarding. I had like 20 emails from people like writing, like essays about like, hey man, when you got to Orlando, I was nine, and then I'm eighteen. Now I said, you know, I was like fifteen. Now I'm twenty five. So like, you can't read that and like not have a reaction to it. And like, my Twitter obviously was going crazy. Uh, so I had literally everyone almost from the organization reach out to me and be like, we can't believe. So it was just so much of it. I didn't really have time to like, uh, like settle and like gather it all so it happened all at that moment but it also I think it shows you know what how much Orlando meant to me and how much of a special place was it to me and so on so many levels you know from the basketball standpoint from to like human standpoint so many people I've met they're great people that I'm still very close with so you know it's just it's it's I feel like I'm, I, I was really blessed to be in that situation for so long and to have that and I'll stay with me forever so and Orlando is still home for us, I think, you know, I mean, home in the state of home, Montenegro, but here, and that's probably where we live when I retire anyway. So it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot in the moment to handle and I just, there was no chance for me to hold it in. But I think that in a way, I'm, I'm kind of glad it happened because, you know, people really saw how much it meant and that it was really true. You know, uh, what I said was really true from the heart. It wasn't just, you know, you say just to say it, I really meant it. So Thing, you know people appreciate that even more you've obviously had you know some time since the trade happened you've been you know adjusting to life in chicago and everything that brings when you i guess think of the times in orlando what if you could just give like a top two moments list you know between obviously you had a, a ton of great moments um but what would you say kind of the, the top two that stick out automatically you know in your time in orlando basketball or just in general in general you can whatever you want to say uh two might be hard um i mean i obviously the best for me and it would be you know my two boys being born mm. uh that obviously you know nothing gets top that uh, i got engaged while i was in orlando um uh, as far as i mean personal life I'd probably be say that and like as far as basketball obviously when we made the playoffs you know my when I made my first all-star uh those were huge uh I mean there I mean a lot of great moments I mean on and off the court that I always don't remember but uh I mean to me I always say the the main thing for me that I always care with me from Atlanta is just you know all the great people that I had the chance to meet over the years and the way they welcomed me and met, made me feel like, like I was at home. That's the thing that I, you know, I'll, uh, I remember the most that I miss the most is all those people that I had a chance to, you know, work with, you know, spend time with, go through the ups and downs with and everything. Something that, you know, it's hard in life to find such good people to have and surround yourself with. So 
I was really lucky to have that. I want to ask you, you know, you talk about all the people, you know, in Orlando and, you know, the people that you would see on a daily basis, you know, in Amway, when you had the opportunity last season, you know, to make your return to Amway, it was the game after, it was the day after Thanksgiving. What was, what was that day like for you? What was the experience like, you know, getting dressed in the visitor's locker room, you know, the standing ovation that you received from the crowd? What, what was that night like for you? That was a lot. I mean, it, I think it definitely affected the way I played. I think my focus was not uh, was definitely not at usually what it is when I play a game. I'm like usually really locked in and very focused on the game. I just about that for that game. I just, I mean, I really tried to like you know lock into the game, but it was just, I think it was just almost impossible because you know I was very I was really looking forward to seeing everyone there, and I spent you know. You know, usually pregame, you know, I'm warming up, doing this and that. I spend most of my pregame, you know, talking to people that and a lot of those people I, I didn't even get a chance to really see the year before because of COVID. And we had limited, you know, people could be there, limited people you could like, you know, you couldn't talk to anybody because, you know, of all the rules. So that also, I think, you know, made it even more special for me to come back. So, like, I spent so much time trying to talk to people, say hi to everyone, try to give everyone, you know, time and catch up and everything. That by the time the game started, I was already like, you know, my emotions were all over the place. I wasn't as, you know, focused as I should have been. Well, thank God my teammates, you know, had a great game. So we ended up doing okay. They were focused. Killing yeah, us. They were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. They were fine. But I think that was just the way it, uh, it was, you know, it, it was just natural, I think, for me when I was, I, I expected that to be that, you know, that way I didn't have any. I wasn't coming back and like, oh, I need to have like a 40-20 game. And you know, that just, it wasn't for me, it was just kind of taking it all in, seeing everyone, you know, uh, seeing the fans, even like the people that, you know, sitting courtside that I've, you know, seen almost every other night when I was there for nine years and everything. So even the people that worked in the arena, you know, that I've seen so many times over the years and, you know, the security people, the people that, you know, work, you know, in the restaurants and the bars that deliver the food to the front row seats, all that, you know, you, you know, you, you know, all the, I mean, I know all those faces, you know, I've seen them so many times. So for me, it was just really about taking it all in. And it was a great night for me. My, my older son and my wife were there sitting courtside. And uh, so that was fun, except that now he always has to sit courtside uh, <laughs> because of that one time, but I'm like, nah, that's not, that's not happening. Uh, but no, but it, it was a great night for me. It was really special. And obviously I really appreciated the fans and the standing ovation and the video that it, the tribute that the magic did and seeing all the people that worked there. It was really, it was a really special night uh, for me. And then even the second time when I, when we come, we came back, but it's even now when we come back, we're there January 28th, I think It'll also be special for me to come back. Oh, I mean, every time, I mean, like I said, Orlando will always be, you know, the special place for me. Booch, as we wrap up here, um, first of all, I just want to thank you for your time, you know, jumping on the show. I know I speak for all of us. I, I speak for a lot of fans. Um, this is like something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Just hearing you talk about your time in Orlando. I, I From the bottom of my heart, I really hope you understand how much you still mean to Magic fans. You know what you mean to the history of the Orlando Magic, how much we appreciate you. I mean, it was 10 minutes after you were traded. And people were demanding that we hang number nine in the rafters, that we retire your jersey. Like as soon as you left, 
We've, we've talked about the fact that uh, without a doubt, you will eventually be inducted into the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. We will throw hands with anybody that does not agree that you're a top five Magic player of all time. You know, for a, a franchise that's had Dwight Howard and, and Tracy McGrady, Penny Hardaway, you know, Dwight Howard, like you're up there with those guys, you know, for us and, and uh, you know, your, your time and you with the Orlando Magic. So I hope that you understand how much you know we appreciate you and we will continue to appreciate you i just wanted to ask you you know kind of give you the opportunity is there anything that you would like to say to magic fans i mean i just want to uh, obviously you know thank them for all the you know the nine great years that i had there the support that i was receiving constantly every day you know uh, whenever you know where was on social media or obviously at games uh, throughout the city, wherever it was, I mean, I could always, really, always could feel, you know, the 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 love that the, the fans were showing me, and uh, I also appreciate them starting them starting the the Vooch uh, sound when I'm getting introduced. It carried over to Chicago, so it's uh, not that, that was special for me. No, just you know, just big thanks, you know, to everyone for all the the love and support over the years, the good times, the tough times uh something that I always you know carry with me and uh and i think you know when you're you know there and you know you go through you know losing winning you don't always realize it but i think that it really really hit me you know um the connection i had with the people there once i left uh you know once the trade happened you know so many you know messages like i said so many emails so many you know people reaching out to me Never in my mind did I think it would be at that level. So that meant a whole really, really a lot to me. Um, that's most important to me. I think that goes above any wins, losses, anything that we could have achieved as a team. Having that relationship with fans and achieving that level, you know, of uh, respect that I earned with them, something that I carry with me forever. And uh, that's that was very important to me. And I think he also came in a natural way. I think. You know, I was never a guy that was, you know, forcing it or, you know, saying all kinds of stuff to get the fans to love me or anything. It was always natural. I think they appreciate that. I respected that. I think they respected the way I, you know, I was on the court and I was playing and how much I dedicated myself to it. So I think that's what made it also really special because it came in a very natural way and it lasted for so long. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, just big thank you and um, always carry that with me. Booch, you're a Chicago Bull. You still have a lot of basketball left to be played in your career. I have to ask, sometime, a long time from now, if it makes sense, I know I speak for a lot of people, we want to see you retire in pinstripes. Would you ever be open to returning to the Magic if it made sense for you? Of course. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's uh, something that I would love to do at you know, some point, maybe. Now we'll see, you know, when when that is possible, if that's realistic and how the, it all works out. But yeah, for sure, I would like to, if anything, at least get one uh, one last year in Orlando. I think it's only right it happens. So we'll see. We'll never know. I mean, no, I feel like I have a lot of basketball left. So who knows what will happen? But yeah, for sure, something that, that's on my mind. I can't I can't say it's not. Vooch, this meant the world to us, man. I know fans are going to feel the same way. Can't thank you for everything that you did as a player for the Magic and in the city of Orlando. And uh, just really, really grateful for your time, man. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Luke, that was Nikola Vucevic. Um, I, I don't have words. 
I can't believe it happened. You know, we this is something that that we have hoped for. It is one thing to get a magic player on your podcast. It is a whole other thing to get a magic legend on your podcast while he is still playing. Um I I really like you said, you have no words. I've I've got none. And to be able to go where we went with that conversation, mm-hmm. like anything, like I hope that this was the conversation that every Magic fan dreamt of having with Vooch, being able to ask him like all of the questions that we all wonder about, like how did it feel yeah. like to get traded? What did your time in Orlando mean? I super appreciative for him taking the time, obviously, like in the road, he's getting ready to play the Celtics tomorrow and taking the time. And that conversation was just everything that I could have ever asked and dreamt for yeah no doubt shout out to uh to nikola vucevic for the conversation man that was surreal i don't have words i wish i could like (laughs) properly express the way that i'm feeling right now i don't know that because we like literally just ended with vooch i don't i can't process everything that just happened i think i think the interview speaks for itself i don't think we have to say a ton here but just incredibly grateful to Vooch for taking the time. And like, this doesn't happen without you guys listening, Mm -hmm. like you guys supporting us throughout the years, like has just helped us get to like a interview with Vooch. And I'm just super grateful to our listeners and to everybody to Vooch. And what an awesome conversation. Never thought in a million years that after, so you'll remember if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, wherever, um, if you followed us then when he got traded, we dropped the tribute video to Vooch, to which he quote tweeted, said, thanks for the touching video. A hundred thousand views later, I never thought we were going to actually get to talk with the guy that we made the video about. And the video too, like evoked emotion from not just Magic fans. If you'll, you know, I know you remember Jonathan, tons of people, yeah. you know, I'm a Raptors fan. Why am I crying right now? I'm a Cavs fan, whatever it is. There were so many people that that showed love for the video about Vooch and what he meant to us. Um, just a crazy ride that that we're on as a show. Um, but just a, also as fans to have that conversation with him it means the world. I, I just remember like really struggling to process the trade like for like three days. It was the yeah. first thing that I woke I thought about when I woke up. It was the last thing that I thought about when I went to bed. And we were like, we need to do something. So like writing that and like narrating it and then you like produce the whole thing. For me, it was super like therapeutic to be able to express what I was feeling in the moment to him. I never dreamt that he would see it and then like right. quote tweet it and retweet it. And then on top of that, I never thought I would have the opportunity to tell him how he made magic fans, how he made myself feel. I never thought we'd have the opportunity to tell that to him, to his face yeah. so i'm just incredibly blessed for the opportunity and this is an episode that i will literally never forget never. this is one of the the coolest moments in the six man shows history for sure uh yeah i don't have anything else to say about that let's get into orlando magic basketball all right really quickly uh let's get into the state of the magic here for this week this week the magic went two and one on the week Bringing them to a record of fifteen and twenty-five, me and Luke dead wrong. Last two weeks, who could have seen it coming? Um, this week, no, us being wrong, I could have seen it coming. In general, just us being yeah, wrong. Fair enough. Yeah. 
The Magic now have a record of 15 and 25. They have the fifth worst record in the league still. They're still 13th in the Eastern Conference. They're now three and a half games back of Atlanta for the final plan. So we've been talking about Washington, Toronto, Chicago, Atlanta, all kind of flip-flopping between 7 and 10. And the Magic are just kind of the outside looking in. And they are if they're able to put some more wins together, could find themselves like right in the thick of all of that pretty soon here. The Magic also have an offensive rating on the year of 110.8, which ranks 25th in the league. They have a defensive rating of 114.1, which ranks 24th in the league. Their overall net rating is negative 3.3, which is 26th in the league. On the injury front, Jonathan Isaac and Chuma OKK still remain out. The Magic got Mo Wagner back on Saturday, or was it Saturday? Yeah, Yeah, it was Saturday against the Golden State Warriors. He's back from his illness, which delayed his two-game suspension. He served the two-game suspension, and now he's back, Luke. Yeah, I mean, and and you have felt that. Mo Wagner made some great plays against Golden State. Great to have him back. We are just so close. I didn't think that we were this close, you know, like even a couple months ago. If you told me in January the Magic would pretty much be getting back to full strength, with some great possibilities on the horizon, I'd be like, nah, probably not. But I was also like, just felt pessimistic about the injury situations. But now that we can, we can see the light. I just, you know, get healthy, stay healthy and let's roll. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All right, Luke, I want to talk a little bit about our Patreon here. So we talked last episode about the fact that we are rolling out this new tier in our Patreon community, the elite tier. So if you're familiar with our Patreon at all, um, our Hall of Fame tier uh, was our highest tier. And now our elite tier is the highest tier. It includes all of the benefits from the Hall of Fame tier, including things like monthly Zoom hangouts with us, access to our Discord channel. We give away free t-shirts every month, all of that plus some other stuff. Plus, now we have partnered with the Magic and we're able to offer up to 35% off discounts uh, for Magic home games in, in most sections. Like you're not going to you know, find tickets like you know floor seats right. or anything like that. But most sections around Amway, 
Uh, you can now get up to a 35% off discount as long as you are a part of our elite tier. And uh, once you join our elite tier, we send you all of the information on how you can access those perks and how you can get those kind of discounts to those games. Uh, but if you're not familiar with our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show where we now have four tiers of benefits. Again, like discounts to Orlando Magic home games. It's pretty sick that we're able to offer that. So uh, a big thank you to all of our patrons. We do have uh, a few new patrons this month. Some folks that have also gone, gone ahead and upgraded from other tiers to our new tier. So I'll start with Nostalgia and M&Ms who jumped from our all-star tier to our elite tier. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, a new Hall of Fame tier in Magic Kid 714. Thank you for joining our Patreon. Our boy, Ty Mr. TV, always showing love, always supporting. He went from our Hall of Fame tier now to the new Elite tier. Uh, shout out to Stephen Cameron, our buddy Stephen Cameron with the close-up magic, who joined our rookie tier in the Patreon. Uh, Tito Magic joined our All-Star tier. Thank you so much. And then I love this name, Let's Spank, mm -hmm. Don't Tank. That is just a top-tier Patreon name. He joined the Elite tier. Thank you so much. And then Soft Taco came through with the Hall of Fame annual subscription. So thank you so much for all of your support. We really, really appreciate that. And apart from just our brand new patrons, which we shout out every single episode, uh, now we shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons and our elite tier patrons on every single episode, which is what I'm going to do now. It's now two pages. Wow. This is getting pretty crazy. We appreciate the love, y'all. We'll start with Court Cousins, Armin. Got to jump to the next page here. Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Julio Bailey, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Franz Go to Fashow, The Distract, Mo Bamba, Yo Mama, Petition to Get Producer Kevin on Every Show, Pierre A, Migzors, Nostalgia and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil, Peno, Lil, Lil Penny, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Goaty93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, who came out to the watch party last night. Shout out to Juan. Thanks for coming by and, and thanks for saying what's up to us. We really appreciate your support, brother. Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagon, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Recon, Shahin177, Hemlo Ban Hemro, RM Prof221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Kid714, Let's Spank Don't Tank, again, elite name, and Soft Taco. Thank you to all of our elite tier patrons, all of our Hall of Fame tier patrons, and all of our patrons. Luke, that list is getting out of hand. It's fat. And it's pretty crazy. So, let, first of all, like you said, you've already brought attention to his name. Let's spank, don't tank. Anytime, like now that I hear that, all I think is like the Tom and Jerry uh, gif where Tom yep. is just spanking Jerry, just absolutely going to town. So, that's what I think of. Uh, shout out to him once again. You're getting a lot of shout outs, but well worth it. Great name. If you have great names, you're going to get good shout outs, uh, especially. I want to say, Jonathan, we're up to, you said that it's getting long. We're up to 87 patrons. I didn't clear this before. We haven't talked about this. We are 13 oh away from 100 patrons, which is nuts mm. to me. Maybe for 100 uh, we do something special, maybe uh, another giveaway, something. It feels right. 
if we have a hundred people that have joined, which is crazy because what we start the Patreon was that a like last the start of last season? I can't remember, but uh, like summer of like preseason of last year, somewhere around. Yeah. There. So the fact that that many people, man, are are rocking with us is amazing. So yeah, let's let's get to a hundred and then we can talk about it. But that I'm just throwing it out there, maybe a little tease. Okay. I can respect that. Yeah, I can respect that for sure. Luke, two games since our last episode. First of all, let's talk about this Grizzlies game. I just have to get this off my chest. I don't like the Grizzlies. Mm. Corny. Last year, they're like the Cinderella story. Everybody was like, they they were they were cute. They were the underdogs. They were charming. Since then, like obviously, when you you start winning games and you know you're you're smacking teams on a regular basis, it's easy to get you know this level of swagger and like this confidence. They just piss me off. Like Jaw has I, I was a big fan of Jaw, like, you know, coming into the league yeah. and you know, first couple of years. You know, exciting, explosive young player. And I think he's a great kid. Like I know he does a lot for fans. Just as a a fan of an opposing team, I just find him really, really corny. Every time he does anything, like he's talking trash, like, bro, just shut up. <laughs> just play basketball. There is a, a foul call on Paolo where they literally like jerseys brushed up against each other. I don't think there was any body contact, but he's like flexing and talking trash. I'm like, bro, you barely got touched. Cut it out. Like, stop the antics, the the shenanigans, the tomfoolery, all of it. I I just I ha- I don't have any time for it. I don't appreciate it, especially when it's against my team and you're losing and the Magic are down by like twenty plus at this point. I really don't like the Memphis Grizzlies, and I feel like. It might be like the Nickelback effect where like all of a sudden people started hating Nickelback and like now everybody hates Nickelback. Mm. It's like people started to not like the Grizzlies and now it's like a popular thing to not like the Grizzlies. Yeah. And losing to them doesn't help. Yeah. I think uh, as far as the Grizzlies go, Jaw has a great story in terms of he's been an underdog before, right? Like he was at Murray State, which is not a big basketball school. They're they're great for for, you know, where they're at right and they were able to make the tournament with him they've started to build a good uh resume as far as college basketball does go but he played at murray state and he made a huge impact goes to the grizzlies has turned them into what they are now which is an incredible basketball team but uh yeah like you said it gets a little old that he's got to dance for everything um the dancing and the you know hallways on the way out to the court just that sort of stuff, like I get, it. like I'm sure Grizzlies fans just eat that up, and they love it. But it's just one of those things. You you hate them. If it was the Magic, I would love. Oh, it. For, but because it's this, not, I hate. Listen, it. if this young group like the Magic was doing dances out of the tunnel, yeah, everybody would also eat that up. Like that would be a lot of fun. You also have but, to win to do that, though. If our yeah. team did it, people would probably meme it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they do it, and then you always see those things where it's like someone gives like an empowered speech, and then. They say, yeah, they probably lost that game by a 50. Uh, that would be the magic for sure uh, if we tried to do that. I will say John Morant might get eventually get his team in trouble with maybe things that he does on the court, things he says in press conferences. You remember when in the finals, Clay made a comment about LeBron and LeBron heard it. And I don't remember what exactly. I guess he just got his feelings yeah, hurt. Yeah, I guess he got his feelings hurt. And the reporter told and him. LeBron's and LeBron's like, what did Clay say? He's like, <laughs> Like that high pitched uh, laugh, yeah, cute. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I could see Jaw getting his team into a little sticky situation like that when it comes postseason time, especially as like they're on everybody's radar now for sure. We'll see, 
But I would love nothing more than for John Morant to do something that evokes a superstar on the other team to go off and, you know, lose them the series because they use that as motivation, you know, board material, if you will. So, yeah, not a lot of fun. The game wasn't a lot of fun until the final minutes. So whatever. Well, you saw it last year with the Phoenix Suns, like when they would post the videos of them, like lifting after wins, Mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, man. This is what it means to be a winner. Look at that Suns culture. Now, every time they lose, people are like, oh, Devin Booker after this loss, like, you know, doing, <laughs> you know, like chest presses after the game. Like, it's a meme. So when the Grizzlies, you know, when that window eventually closes, whatever, it might be a very long window. They have a really talented young team. They're great. If stuff goes bad, like the way that it has with the Raptors this year, where like, you know, good team last year, now they're not so good. If stuff goes bad with the Grizzlies, that will be memed over and over and over. That's just the nature of the internet. Like, you know, people, they, they love to see your downfall. So, yeah. but anyways, definitely was not a fun game for the most part until until the fourth quarter. The Magic were down big in the second half. I believe it was 25 in the, in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Then the Magic realized, all right, we're about to lose this game in typical Magic fashion. Uh, they cut the lead to six in the final few minutes, but just not able to make enough plays, get enough stops down the stretch. It didn't help in that game that I think Franz Wagner went into the third quarter with three points, uh, into the fourth quarter with three total points and finished with 22. 19 in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, Paolo Bancaro, I believe, had 20 in the fourth, in the third quarter. Good grief. I am exhausted. I, <laughs> my numbers and letters are all, I'm like that, uh, Allen from hangover and when he's at the blackjack tables you guys all the numbers like spinning around but i can't make any sense of it but paolo was awesome in the third quarter helped the magic get back in the game franz was awesome in the fourth quarter helped kind of close the gap but just not able to make enough plays down the stretch as good as franz was in that fourth quarter the first three quarters he was like non-existent i don't know what was going on i have a conspiracy theory that whatever illness mo wagner had uh, you know, to to miss uh, the game against the Wizards last week. Well, he was supposed to be suspended anyway. We won't rehash all of that. But maybe Franz caught a little bit of whatever Mo Wagner had and just forgot how to play basketball for the first you know th- three quarters and then went crazy in the fourth, which was a lot of fun. But it's like, hey, if you show up like twelve minutes earlier, we'd probably win this game. Yeah. Um. Just frustrating overall. I think if you, you know, you, the one thing that I would talked about previewing kind of the Magic Grizzlies episode or the game uh, recently was that the Grizzlies are one of the best teams at scoring in the paint. They're one of the best teams at defending the paint. And I said, if the Magic aren't able to hit their three pointers or they're not taking high volume three pointers per usual, you're not going to win this game. Jonathan, the Grizzlies scored 64 points in the paint and the Magic shot 30% from three. Um, And you only made 11 of them. Like if you're going to shoot 30% from three, you better be putting up, just chucking up threes at that point to be able to win a game like this. Magic only score uh, 40 points in the paint, I believe it was. 40 points in the paint. To give you an idea, the team that scores the least on average in the paint is Dallas was 42 and a half points in the paint. So you need to absolutely be above that threshold to put up a fight when you're shooting poorly from three, especially against a team like the Grizzlies. Just couldn't get it done, man. Uh, Couldn't get it done. There's a great team. You give up a huge second quarter, 43 points to the Grizzlies. You're never going to win a game doing that. The Grizzlies are far too explosive, and they can get it going. Jaw wasn't even much of a factor when it came to the the first half. 
right? And you just knew eventually that shoe's going to drop, jaw's going to go off, and they're going to bury you. So I'm glad that they were able to show up in the fourth, but at the same time, it's frustrating because it's like, where was that? Like, where was that when you were giving up 43 and scoring 23 in the second quarter? Where was it when you were putting up 20 in the first quarter and couldn't take advantage of the Grizzlies only scoring 22? So frustrating, to say the least, to see them come back, but not really come back. I don't I don't I didn't I don't know that I really ever believed that the team was going to make that comeback and win. It was exciting in the moment. You never do. You no, of course not. This is a magic, bro, and this is what they do. They they play with they've your heartstrings. Done it, they've done it a couple times this year. Let's come on. They give, have give them a little bit more. But credit. the Grizzlies, I had I had a little bit of hope at the end there. Fair, but it is regardless in retrospect frustrating to say the least, uh, based on how the rest of the game was played. Franz not showing up or doing anything until the fourth quarter, while he was incredible. I would have rather him just been himself over all four quarters of that game so that you don't have things happen like that first half just ridiculous but is what it is man yes yeah, as fantastic as, as jaw was you know 32 points on almost 62 percent shooting to me the biggest problem for us was jaron jackson jr so it started off like the first quarter like we just could not get into the paint without jaron jackson either blocking a shot or critically altering a shot. He finishes 31 points on 12 of 14 from the floor, two of three behind the arc, five of seven from the free throw line. He added 10 rebounds and assists a steal, three blocks. He was fantastic. And then Zaire Williams off the bench, 16 points, six of seven from the floor. We talked about Paolo, phenomenal 20-point third quarter, finished with 30 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Franz Wagner, 19 in the fourth, finishes with 22 points. Uh, if you just look at Franz's stat line, you're like, man, he had a great night. He really just had a great fourth quarter. Um, the free throws, obviously a, a big part of that as well. Terrence, it sucks when you have like a vintage Terrence Ross performance and it gets wasted. 14 points, five to seven, four of six from the three-point line. He was instrumental in that third quarter as well. And then steady Wendell Carter Jr., 18.7 rebounds, 58% from the floor. Um, uh, Magic, you know, leave a couple of you know points at the free throw line, which could have helped make this a, a closer game at the end. I know a lot of people, including myself, were frustrating with the officiating. Magic shoot thirty free throws in this game, but I think like realistically, the Magic could have shot like close to forty. And sure, John Morant is a guy. I would say it's not nearly as bad as Trey Young, but you you breathe on the guy. It feels like, and he's at the free throw line, but he actually only shoots seven free throws in this game. It just felt like. When the Magic were trying to make the comeback and it seemed like there was a lot of contact, like call it one way or the other. It's either a that's either an offensive foul or it's a it's a defensive foul. You got to call something there. And uh, yeah, just super frustrating. We've talked about, um, you know, Tom Haberstroh's whole study that he did that the Magic on a you know pretty regular basis get the lowest quality and least experienced referees in the NBA. Don't want to make this an entire segment. Do what you will with that information. Uh, and then when you play teams like you know, Golden State, Boston, the Los Angeles Lakers, that's when the Magic you know, tend to get the, the more tenured referees, the more uh, tenured uh, offici- uh, officials. But yeah, it sucks when a team like that comes in and Jaw is such a popular player. There's a lot of fans in the arena, really not Grizzly fans, like really fans of Jaw. And then you see them dancing you know, on their way like, out to the tunnel and they come into your building and kick your butt. Don't really like the Grizzlies, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see them again. Luke, let's break down this Warriors game. So this was the watch party. Obviously, a lot of energy. It was a lot of fun. 
Clay Thompson was supposed to play in this game, like was announced even in the starting lineup, but wasn't on the bench. And then a couple of minutes into the game, we find out that he was ruled out due to knee soreness, which, you know, Clay has been playing out of his mind lately. He's been playing a ton of minutes with Steph out of the lineup. So, you know, I think it's just kind of precautionary for the Warriors. But then all of a sudden, like, you feel like you have a really, like, in my mind, at that point, this became a must win. Clay Thompson, if he goes off and, and drops like, you know, 40 points or whatever, like he's been doing pretty recently, then you're like, all right, you got beat by a Hall of Famer. But once he's out of the lineup and you're looking at Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Poole, Anthony Lamb, Andre Iguodala, Ty Jerome, you're like, okay, the Magic should be able to beat this team. The th- and we did beat this team. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that we didn't really count on was Anthony Lamb, which Golden State, what are you doing? I don't know if you have Google, if you can Google Anthony Lamb's name. The kid is dealing with some pretty serious accusations as of late. Mm-hmm. Don't want to get into detail really with that. But this kid come, comes into the game with a career high of 22 points, matches his career high in the first half for the Golden State Warriors. I don't know what it is about the Magic, Luke. This has just become a trope over the years. Pick the most random, obscure, you've never heard of this guy on the other team's roster. You might as well just lock it in that he's going to have pretty close to a career night. And it was Anthony Lamb in this game, and he was really a big part of keeping Golden State in the game in the first half. The Magic have a three-point lead at the half, and I'm looking around like, we didn't play that well in the first half, and we're up three. So if we're able to put it together in the second half, we got a pretty good chance of winning this game, Luke. And that's really what we did. Yeah, and if you look at the essentially like the the first quarter of this game, Jonathan, you're down one at the end of the first quarter after T. Ross hits his you know a big three, which came after the successful challenge on the three point attempt that the Magic had. Magic roll out a first quarter challenge, which was very interesting to see. I'm glad it was successful. I don't think that they challenge anything in the first quarter unless they have a 99% feeling chance feeling that is going to go their way. You have a huge six-point swing there, but all of a sudden you look up, you're only down one. Golden State uh, shot twenty uh, or twenty-four out of the twenty-nine first quarter points were threes. Jonathan, they shot eight of eighteen from three. That is forty-four percent. They were on pace to make thirty-two threes. So the Magic, uh, thankfully, were able to uh, you know get out to the three a little bit better there. Uh, and the rest of the quarters, the Grizzlies, I mean, not the Grizzlies, sorry, the Warriors end up uh, shooting 31% from three. That's the key, man. If the Warriors are shooting 30, you know, sub 33% from three in a game, you can feel pretty good about your chances because they're not great at getting to the paint. So if you're able to stop them from the outside, you change your chances immensely. We saw in the first quarter that is all they wanted to do was shoot threes. That is not a surprise that they were taking them, even that they were making them. So, I I mean, really good effort from there on out, you know, obviously from the Magic. You win three quarters in this game, Jonathan. The first one you lose by one point, and then you go on to outscore the Warriors in the remainder, you know, the re- remaining quarters. I was just really proud of the altogether effort this team showed. You saw Suggs play more minutes. What did he end up playing? Was it 15? Something like that. Um, so, yeah, man, I, a fun game. Fun to do it with Magic fans. We're now 3-1 and one with watch parties. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm saying. 
Mm. Orlando Magic. Three and one, six man show watch parties. And we can also add that, like the draft lottery watch party. That was a massive dub. That's true. That probably accounts for like 20 dubs, if I'm being honest. Maybe so more. we're 23 and one now in Magic watch true. parties. Like I'm, I'm just saying, let's kind of keep the, the mojo going. Somebody like quoted that today, like said, like the Orlando Magic partnering with the six man show at watch parties are three and one on the season and then tagged, is this anything? <laughs> I think that's anything. I think that's pretty significant. Yeah. So would love to see more of these. Luke, you talked about like the points in the paint and just like the discrepancy and uh, the start of the game, Golden State just shooting the crap out of the ball. The first quarter of the Magic Trail, 28 to 29. In the first quarter, out of 29 points, the Warriors had four points in the paint. Yeah. At the half, Golden State had 59 points. They had 16 points in the paint. 12 of 33 from three in that first half. So once the the they cooled off a little bit, you felt like the Magic were going to have a chance to to extend this lead. And um, you know the Magic had a a big lead. You know most of the the second half and you know in the fourth quarter on their way to a W. And now you the first time that you won in Golden State since I believe it was 2012. Yeah. And you sweep Golden State for the first time in who knows how long. It happens to be the defending champs. And then you see these sites talking about how the Magic beat like an undermanned uh, Golden State team. Where is the article every other night about these teams beating an undermanned Orlando Magic team? We never get the benefit of the doubt in that respect. So I don't know why these other teams are. Mm -hmm. We are by far and away the most injured team, arguably of all time. (laughs) Like if you look at the last three-year stretch, I'm putting the Orlando Magic's disabled list up against anybody in the history of the NBA. Yeah. Like it's it's it we've got that's anything. I wish David Steele would do that. Take the last 3 years and see I don't even know how if you're able to calculate that at this point. But we have to have like the worst in, like one of the worst injury stretches in the documented history of the NBA, I would imagine. But when you sweep the defending champs always feels good. You beat them on their floor. It's a great start to the road trip, Luke. Yeah. I listen, man. I could not have been happier with that performance. Makes the West Coast late tip that much more worth it. I hope that we're able to put something together against Sacramento with a 10 p.m. freaking tip. That's going to be brutal, especially if we lose. Um, but hopefully we can put together a similar performance like we did against Golden State and get the win. But yeah, man, it was a great altogether win. Folks, don't forget, every day after Magic Victories, you can get 50% off Papa John's online order with code MAGICWIN. And Luke, speaking of late tips, this entire week is late tips. The Magic's yearly West Coast road trip this week is pretty brutal. This is my least favorite week of the year. Uh, It always seems to be around January, the Magic take a, you know, lengthy west coast road trip looking at this week monday tuesday you've got a back-to-back you're at sacramento on monday that tip-off is at 10 o'clock gross tuesday at portland 10 o'clock tip-off gross then you've got a couple of days off you head to utah to take on the jazz on friday friday the 13th by the way Uh, that tip-off is at nine o'clock and then sunday you've got the last game of this what is this a five game road trip the last game of that five game road trip at Denver on Sunday, that tip-off is going to be at 8 o'clock p.m. 
Luke, uh, let's give a little uh, prediction here. What do you think happens this week? Well, first of all, I'm going to note the scheduling ridiculousness here, Jonathan. You go on this road trip. The league is giving the Magic off from when that Nuggets game happens on Sunday. The Magic don't play again till Friday, the 20th. That means Sunday night we will hop on here, record a pod, and Wednesday's pod will be about no games. No game recaps. And we're just we're we're gonna be talking. So thank you to the NBA for that scheduling beauty there. Um as far as the week ahead, man, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the magic go oh man, one and three. This this road trip either goes really well or, That's how or I feel. really bad. Like the team is in a groove. If you beat Sacramento to me, that really sets the tone, you know, furthers, you know, the the Warriors win that you have. I mean, the, the Trailblazers, they don't play again until they play us on Tuesday. So what? That's a that's a back-to-back right there for the Magic. Schedule loss, as they call it. The Jazz, um, let's see what their scheduling looks like. They play Tuesday, and then they don't play again until Friday against us. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the Nuggets, you play them on Sunday. Um, they play on Friday. The only thing that gives me a little hope is that it's prime time against the Clippers. Maybe there's just some emotional exhaustion. I don't know. I'm going to say one one win, three losses. I'm going to say you lose to Sacramento. They're coming off a heartbreaking huge loss to the Lakers where they both put up like 135 or something like that, essentially, at least 135. Um, so, yeah, one and three. I'm going to go one and three. You you beat the Blazers. Um but but that's about it. We'll see if they can spicy a win second night of a back to back. So I have them beating the Kings for the sole reason that the Magic had them dead to rights yep. in Orlando earlier this year, and they let go of a big lead. And then De'Aaron Fox hits that like forty five foot jumper to win the game. So I think the Magic are they've circled this game like all right, this is ours to get back. We should have had ours in Orlando, yeah. and they're feeling good after the win in Golden State. Um, you know the it's not that far of a trip, you know, from San Francisco to, to Sacramento, relatively, you know, short flight. It's not like they're flying, you know, across the country for this game. So I, they had the day off, I'm guessing, in Sacramento today when we're recording this on Sunday. And then, like, you're you're looking at, you know, a back-to-back, you know, on the road. So you feel like you probably want to split one of those, and it would be really good to get that first one. So I'm going to pick Sacramento and then I think we lose to Portland, Utah, and Denver before heading back home. I don't like it. It wouldn't. The, the great thing is, it wouldn't shock me if we're able to win like two games, three games this week. I'll be thoroughly impressed. If you if you go if you go counting the Warriors game, you go three and two on this road trip heading into that break before you play the Pelicans on that Friday. It's a great road trip. So you split this week. You go two and two. It's great. You beat the Kings tomorrow. You gave yourself a leg up to then maybe the Magic are ten and nine since November thirtieth when Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz came back. Um, so you're ten and nine since then. The Magic are playing over five hundred basketball since then. I wouldn't be shocked, but I just know that I never know what to expect. You know, we predict us to go three and zero. They go zero and three. We predict them to have a losing week this past week. They they don't. They go two and one. So I never know. Maybe they're just like whatever we say, they do the opposite of. Okay. The magic aren't so winning a game. I'm changing everything. 
for the rest of the year. <laughs> They're not winning a game for the rest of the year. So now we'll go undefeated and we'll win a championship. Mm. Uh, I think you mentioned this, Luke, before we started recording, but the Magic started the year 1-11 on the road. Yeah. They're now 5-13. and 13. So after starting 1-11, they've gone 4-2 and two mm. on the road, Yeah, which is a big deal. Huge. So lately you've been a you've been a decent road team yeah so uh would like to see the magic uh you know continue some wins here so you're going to be looking forward to that yeah uh it feels weird to not talk about a watch party it feels like for the last like month we've been we've had one to like, tease hyping for the month watch parties so hopefully we can get this figured out pretty soon we'd love to do another one yep uh pretty soon here love seeing you guys that you know uh, people like they come up and they're very like complimentary complimentary of the show and like what you guys are doing is awesome it's great to see like how much you guys have grown my buddy um my buddy tony Mm -hmm. who when i started the podcast in 2019 was coming out to the watch parties that i had in oldsmar Mm. at the buffalo wild wings there when we had like i think for game five against the raptors i think we had like eight people show up and the magic got blown out (laughs) and then he came to uh, the watch party that that off season for the draft where we drafted Chuma Okeke, formerly known as Chuma Okiki, by the way. True, Chuma Okeke. I'm on a hot streak. Like I've 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 used it in the proper context. I've been crushing pronouncing it, it correctly. Mm-hmm. Been crushing it. But so it's just crazy to see how much everything has grown, and we just we love it. Like as cool as it is, you know, to be like associated with the magic or whatever. Like, we really just love it. We wouldn't do this stuff if, if we didn't love it. So hopefully we'll have a, another watch party soon. But, Luke, I don't have anything else I think that's going to do it for us. No. Go Magic, baby. Can't wait to go undefeated this week and be wrong. Let's get it. All right, folks. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Sixth Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh.